0: All right, welcome to the Celtics Slap Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. The first episode of 2024. Happy New Year's to my panel of esteemed basketball minds. Happy New Year's to people who are listening. And before we intro our guests, let's quickly do our agenda. It's talking about Boston's strong finish to 2023 and looking ahead uh, to the next month. A little bit of all-star chatter and then we're going to talk about Trades specifically, what can the Celtics do or not? As Justin penned it right before we went on air, there's a lot of bad trade rumors out there because most of them are illegal. So to figure out what the Celtics actually can do, we're welcoming back to the podcast, my friend and yours of CapSheets.com, our favorite cap guru, yossi gosselin Yosi, what's up? Hello,
1: hello. Good to happy. Good to see you guys again.
0: <laughs> yeah, happy new year, um and happy new year to Maxi for the YouTube crowd. You might be able to see <laughs> Yosi's cute little dog. All right. So, like I said, we'll talk about how well the Celtics have been playing and what happens next. We'll talk about trade stuff. But first, Yossi, put you right on the spot. Is Derek White an all-star?
1: Borderline. Uh, (laughs) If I had to vote, not quite. I I can't put him on over some of these other guards, but he's playing at that level. So you have that. I think that's all that matters.
0: What would have to happen for him to make it, you think? He could be an injury replacement.
1: Um, I think there's definitely like, who are the guards right now? You have Lillard, uh, Mitchell, Trey, um, uh, know I'm missing a couple. I had them written down. Maxi,
2: Jalen Brunson. Tyrese Halliburton is going oh, the ty- to be the starting. Is- yeah. He's going yeah, to be like, the starting point guard for the Eastern. But it's conference. already like All-Star five team.
1: guards. I have to say like, I would still put over White and if one of those guys don't get in then uh, or get hurt, then I would probably go White next.
0: I think we're due soon enough for early fan voting. So just as a reminder, because I need the reminder, the starters are 50% fan vote, 25% player vote, 25% coaches vote. And then the reserves are picked by the coaches. But I think we think there's a little bit of politics there. So Celtics fans, really the only ticket for Derek White is the Zaza patchouli treatment you just need to vote like you've never voted before um
3: I, I do think there's at least a small chance that he'll get in on a coach's vote if he stays as consistent uh as he has been I think uh some really bad halves like he's had recently could be enough to tank his candidacy if we get more than three or four of those but there's at least a very very narrow path but Wait, but isn't team. it
0: the case that Missoula, if the Celtics are the first seed, will be the coach, and then he can't pick his own players as reserves, right? I don't
3: think you can vote for your own players anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you guys this: Are you, uh, if you guys feel Derek White is an All Star, do you also feel he is the second best Celtic so far this year, and he should be like, he's like the 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 best All Star after Tatum, if you know what I mean?
3: I think he's been the most consistently good player on the Celtics this year. I don't know if he is the second best in terms of talent, in terms of what he's capable of, but in night to night, I think he's been at least the second best, if not the best. Because Uh. I would say
1: Porzingis, in my opinion, has been the second best Celtic this year, and I don't quite see him being an all-star, unfortunately. And then you got Jalen Brown, who I don't think has been at that level, but I, you know, if there, if, there's going to be people that want a second Celtic. And then I feel like there's going to be, those two guys might get prioritized over white Brown. Just for value.
2: I think Derek white has convincingly been the second best Celtic this year. Um, Not to knock Porzingis or Jalen Brown, who also just really quickly shout out to Jalen Brown. Who's been playing some excellent basketball lately. Um, He had a tough start to the year, but he's very much back in like high level form. Um, I think with Porzingis, the hard thing is that um, he's really impactful when he is on the floor. He's missed a few games here and there. And to me, um, impact is something that you can kind of categorize in a bunch of different ways. But availability is one of them. Derek White's missed one game this year for the Boston Celtics, as far as I can remember. Um, That guy is just there every night contributing in any way possible to get the win. And I think... You know, the statistical argument for at least the offensive side of the ball is probably always going to favor Porzingis or Jalen Brown. Just because they have the ball more, they're a little bit more aggressive and looking for their own shot 100%. I totally see it. But if you look at two-way impact, total value produced on both ends of the floor... And just like the fact that Derek white seems to get this offense going pretty much every time he's on the floor, like their net rating with Derek white on the floor is absurd. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I I think that Derek white does not have the traditional box score stats that are associated with all-star players. I think that's fair. Um, But we have seen in the past situations where players have made the all-star game despite that, usually as an injury replacement, sometimes as a coaching selection, you're looking at guys like Mike Conley. You're looking at guys like Derek White's peer, Drew Holiday, Um, you know, players who have made it largely because of their two-way contributions, even with their offensive stats not measuring up to, I don't know, the Trey Youngs of the world. For me, if you watch the games and if you get into the advanced stats, they paint a pretty clear picture, which is that Derek White has been the Celtics' second best player this year, and I think is a deserving All Star that should make the team. I don't think he's going to, but I think he should.
1: So The assistants pick the subs, right? Exclus- exclusively them? No, As- the
3: subs. The subs are the injury replacements are are picked by uh,
0: Silverburn. No, but but. But the subs, coaches. I think the head coach, the reserves, the team mean? picks the reserves. Yeah, yeah. Coaches. I'm pretty sure coaches. No, 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 no like it's all the coaches. The yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all the so coaches. Good I, one. I just get the feeling
1: the, the ones that do want a second Celtic will just pick Jalen, and that'll be that.
0: Unless Jalen makes it out, right?
2: Yeah. Which he all could. Right, well, I mean, Jalen's well, pretty popular in the fan vote. We'll see.
0: Let's put a pin in this because we can. This is a whole episode that we're (laughs) we will get to as soon as maybe next week. Um, Instead, let's just talk a little bit about the month that was and the month ahead, and then we'll talk about trade stuff. So Boston went twelve and two in December, um, with a high profile loss to Indiana and a high profile loss in overtime to Golden State, but then otherwise, just like blew the barn doors off of the NBA for the month. And looking ahead, it looks like January is pretty tough. They're going to play Oklahoma City, Utah, the Pacers twice, Minnesota, and Milwaukee just in the first uh, six games coming up here. So I guess, Yossi, I'll, I'll start with you and then I'll go around the horn. What was sustainable from December that you're going to see here in January? And what do you think the Celtics, like what's a struggle that we might finally see bite the Celtics in the butt a little bit for the Celtic, uh, for this next stretch? So what's working and then what are your anxieties about the Celtics for this tough stretch coming up?
1: Uh, So I don't watch enough Celtics to really tell you concretely what's working, what's not working. Uh, Just looking at their schedule these past 12, 13 games, everything just seems to be working. Uh, (laughs) And I know how uh, the fan base or some of you guys get alarmed with the most, with like the one lot that comes every once in a while, uh, looking into what, what didn't work. It's absurd. Yeah. Uh, you you know, you'll dissect each thing to the most minute to understand, because in the end you just want to make sure this team is ready for the playoffs. Um, we know that they're all I know is that they're going to get there. Um, and the only other teams that I'm really, I, I'm not even going to say I'm concerned, but Miami, I just think they're, I'm not going to, I'm done sleeping on them. I think they could they're gonna they're gonna come into the playoffs ready they can have a really strong uh go bucks I still need to see more from them and not that I think the Knicks have like a shot but I do like that they made the OG trade they upgrade They beat yeah. up their best closing five-man group they got a guy they can put on Tatum Brown I don't think they're quite there yet but they got a lot closer they still got some another move to make so as far you know I don't I'm looking at the schedule I don't think I just don't feel very alarmed about a lot of these opponents coming up for them Uh, I'm sure at some point they'll have like a consecutive losing streak um just because Mm -hmm. um anyway I'll, I'll take it to you guys
0: Well, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong. The Minnesota-Milwaukee is a back-to-back. Okay, I want to pause the action here and tell you that you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. And you can take a look at things like spreads, player props, over/unders, and more. So, visit FanDuel.com/boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. Five dollar pregame money in line wager is required. First online real money wager only. Ten dollar first deposit required. Bonus. This is are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, back to the action.
3: Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Yes. but I, I would be shocked if there was not a losing streak in those next six games, because that's a that's a pretty tough stretch of games. I, I would like to see the Celtics come out of that stretch four and uh, a two, but I would even be okay with three and three, given that is going to be a really hard stretch of games.
0: Alex, do you think we learned anything from the Celtics almost uh, letting go of the rope against Detroit, but then otherwise playing pretty well against Toronto and San Antonio?
2: Yeah, I, I think With all three of these games, I would hazard that the Celtics did, in fact, not really play their best basketball for really all three of these games. Obviously, they blew out the Spurs last night, but the Spurs, with all due respect, are really bad. Um, I think what one something that I'm kind of seeing about this team is that they do have a level of resilience and toughness in crunch time that I think was not there last year pretty visibly. Um, I do think they still have some of the same problems that lead them into getting games into crunch time situations where they maybe shouldn't be. Like that Pistons game, I don't think that game the Celtics really had any business being in overtime against Detroit. Now, I understand Detroit was trying really, really hard to win that game, like giving it their absolute best effort. And I do think, like shout out to Cade Cunningham, man, that guy is trying his absolute hardest to make that team a winning basketball team um but like with that game you know they still have these moments where they kind of lose focus the ball stops moving um and in particular i think it starts with the head of the snake jason tatum who i think is you know having a great season seems to be a kind of standard procedure for him at this point but um is not He's not playing as well as we've seen him play in the past. And I think his decision-making, particularly when he starts really hunting for his own shot, particularly like going for the outside shot, which the pull-up three ball has completely abandoned Jason Tatum this year. Um, He's still a good catch-and-shoot guy, but pulling up, not working. Um, And I think that when he starts to slow down, the offense as a whole starts to slow down. So that's something I'm keeping my eye on. Now, that being said, in all three of these games, they showed some resilience late, as I kind of mentioned before. You know, just got a hat tip to Derek White, Jalen Brown, Kristaps Porzingis, all of whom really came up in meaningful ways in the clutch in these games. Um, I think the difference for me is that with the Detroit game and with the Toronto game, those are games that probably shouldn't have been like coming down to the wire in the first place. But I am glad that they are executing better in those situations than they were last year.
0: Yeah. In some ways, I feel like, Yossi, to your point, like they have to lose games sometimes. Like they're not the 2016 Warriors or the 96 Bulls or whatever, like they're going to lose some games and they're going to have quarters where they look like bozos. But at the same time, there's enough scar tissue from times in recent playoff past where like the same habits keep presenting themselves for Tatum and Brown or for the group collectively. And so, yeah, Alex, I feel the same way that it's like, look, credit to Detroit. They're, Justin, I think you tweeted this. They're way better than their record would indicate. And look, even the worst teams, sometimes you're down 20 points at halftime to the worst team. But there was something familiar about it that didn't quite sit right, I think. That being said, 12, 12 and two in a month where they played a bunch of playoff teams and had a West coast road trips, pretty good. So let's not get uh, ourselves too much in a twist. I don't think. Okay. A few more things. And then we'll hop in the lab and talk about the trade restrictions or not restrictions, which is like the insane cap math that people like Yossi have to understand so that people like me, Justin and Alex can pretend like we understand. Um, Justin, your note on New Year's resolutions, let's end with that. So everyone, while you're pretending to listen to each other, think of a New Year's resolution for anyone in the NBA, not just the Celtics. Has that? But uh, between the resolutions, between the lab, we have to talk about these L.L. Bean Maine Celtics jerseys. Justin, tell us why you think these hideous, awful monstrosities work.
3: Well... For one thing, they're LL Bean, and if that tells me anything, then they will last forever. Uh, okay. <laughs> and the the people in your life, uh, when you wear them, will hate that because they are the ugliest things I have ever seen. They rival the uh, the trash bag uh, jerseys from the Dallas Mavericks back in the day. Uh, they are just a, a an I that you can recognize from three hundred yards. They're just a, a thing of beauty, and I need one.
0: Yeah, for the YouTube crowd, this is a, a Christmas snap bracelet I happen to have, and it's like this, but in green. Oops, I snapped the snap bracelet. <laughs> um, it's just this, like, checkered green. It looks very Maine, um, but I don't think it will look good on a basketball jersey.
3: It looked Oh, like it does a, not. It does look good as a
0: warm-up, maybe. Looks like pajamas. Um, but cool. It's nice that the G League is getting some – if the NBA players get to wear hideous, ugly jerseys, why can't the G League? Uh, just because we recently saw them – Yossi, any thoughts on Wemonyama? Or I'll give you Chet because the Celtics are going to play the Thunder tomorrow. Any thoughts on Wemonyama or Chet so far?
1: Love Chet. Uh, I think he's definitely, you know, he's the favorite, one of the favorites for rookie of the year, but I think he's being severely underlooked for defensive player of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that he's like a top three or four finalist, but I think he's pretty close. Uh, and he'll probably be in the mix in for future years. Uh, Wemby, I don't know what else there is to say. Just
3: <laughs> don't, had, uh, try, did that layup. don't try a chase had, down block. Don't even, just another
1: just like a casual, uh, behind the back block while just turning his arm. I forgot who he did that against, but that was crazy. I think it was Blazers, maybe.
0: Yeah, he, this kid's 19. I mean, every 19 year old player, let alone like 19 year old person, gets a little stronger and like a little sturdier. In the early 20s, it's just like, it's crazy to think that this is so far from a, a finished version of Wambanyama.
3: Do we think that he would be, uh sorry, do we think that he would be a better candidate for Rookie of the Year if he actually had a point guard on his team?
1: Yes. He does have a point guard on his team, they just don't play him.
2: That's <laughs> what I mean. That's a fair point. No, I think that that was the point, roughly, that I was going to make, JQ, is, you know, you watch him and you watch what he's capable of physically and the processing speed and decision-making, like, the full package is there, but I can't think of a single player that's getting more actively sabotaged by his own mm-hmm. teammates than Victor Weminyama right now. I mean, that Spurs team is really a complete mess. God, just, like, watching them, like, make decisions on offense or watching the kind of tissue paper defense that they play they really have like nothing going out on the perimeter as far as their defense goes and you know women is great but it's very much something where like one incredible player cannot make a team win in the nba we've seen this over and over and over again and as good as this kid is that spurs roster needs a whole lot of work before they're going to be doing anything of note so I don't I don't think it's that the the roster is terrible. Let me
1: ask you guys this: How many more wins do you think the Spurs would have if they played Trey Jones thirty plus minutes a night? Three or four. Many. Yeah. So like almost double in some cases. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So I think that they would go from being a bad team to a good
1: bad team. Exactly. So I, that's why I think the I have I a lot of conversation like oh is this, is this did they fail around Wemby? This roster not good? They draft horribly. I don't think that's really the case. I just, I think Pop's just like not, I think, I think, look, he's not dumb. We know Pop, he's one of the best coaches ever. I think he kind of knows what he's doing. He just wants to try to other things that might help the development of these players now, but th- that definitely does not translate to winning games right now at all.
2: I guess I'm just not sure that Trey Jones would help them that much defensively. And that's really what it comes down to for me with the Spurs. Like their offense is a mess, but you know they have talented players to your point. Like Devin Vassell is playing good basketball right now when Minyama is really talented. The thing for me that uh, stands out is like why the Spurs are not winning games. They can't stop anybody, like anybody at all. And they have a giant man lumbering around, around the paint. Like in theory, they should be able... To be a high level defensive team but there's no connectivity there's no communication like dudes can just run right by them on the perimeter and you know i like trey jones he seems like a perfectly fine nba player and i'm sure he can contribute on a good team but he's not like a defensive ace by any means and i feel like their their biggest problem right now is just like the, it's impossible for that team to get stops
0: well I would hazard that the Spurs are worried about what happens in like 2027 or 2028, not what's happening here in 2024. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's move on. But I, I think, oh, that's true. I also, some people will listen to this before the Thunder game. Some people will listen to it after. So we won't cover the Thunder game, but like that might be, I might be most excited about that game this season. I love watching the Thunder play. I think Chet is, a bad dude i mean just his his ability to shoot the three is unbelievable but anyways i don't need to talk about it just everyone tune and turn your television sets to that game tomorrow night okay go see you're up so we're gonna hop into the celtics lab and the genesis of this idea other than like what might we see in the next five weeks five weeks it's early this year the trade deadline right um but yeah roughly a month Month, roughly a month. So, I think really the best way to put this for the Celtics fans is they can't trade for Kelly Olenek, basically. Um, or it would be really hard for them to trade for Kelly Olenek. Oh, I'm frozen. Did I just get booted? And as it turns out, I am having severe Wi Fi issues. So, I'm going to bow out while I still have a connection. and I'm going to hand the reins over to Alex, uh, who will have you know, see talk to us about why all of these traits that we want to happen mathematically or legally can't. So, Yossi, good luck being the bearer of bad news for Celtics fans. Alex, you're a wonderful QB2. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening. I got to go. Wish me luck with my Wi-Fi. Au revoir. Good luck.
2: I can. Cam. Uh, all right. Sounds good. So I'm coming off the bench for Cam here. Um, I, you know, I think in, in limited minutes, I can provide roughly what he's brought to the table if not, maybe a little more. Anyway, um, to that end, Yossi. So the Boston Celtics are one of many teams in the Eastern Conference that I'm sure are looking to load up in advance of a playoff run. But um, in the case of the Celtics, being that they have many, many, many very expensive players on their team and are only going to get more expensive, it seems like there are only a few players that the Boston Celtics could actually even pursue. In a trade, um, let's start with this. What can the Celtics not do heading into the trade deadline? So the
1: biggest one is they have that trade exception, the Grant Williams one. They can no longer aggregate that whoever they get from with that exception with other players on their roster. The uh, deadline for that was early December, two months ahead of the trade deadline. So that window is passed. And the big uh, downside of that is that now they can't trade for anyone uh, that's making like a little over $10 million without including Horford. And I don't think they want to trade Horford. No. So that's the biggest thing. Really, they're, uh, they're kind of limited at getting a player who makes the uh, exception amount plus 250k uh they could try to aggregate pritchard and another minimum salary but you're kind of also still getting that same salary type player so that's at the highest end in my opinion i don't even think they're gonna go for someone that expensive i i would i think they'll go for someone much cheaper uh maybe even like a guy uh, a big man on on a minimum type contract um This is the one we're talking about, Bigman, of course. I'm sure they're going to look for every type of player they can possibly get. Um, But that's the biggest thing. Uh, So people who were hoping they could get Kelly O'Linick or Isaiah Stewart, just to name a few, it's not happening.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Daniel Tice will likely not be returning to the Boston Celtics this year, as much as it pains me to say it as a Tice head um, anything else that we missed there, JQ, as far as what the Celtics cannot do?
3: Uh, I did my best, based on your counsel previously, uh, in a similar trade situation with the Kelly Olenek thing. But could you, just for the people who did not listen to that podcast, perhaps uh, explain why we cannot pull off a Malcolm Brogdon-like trade for someone like him?
1: Yeah, so the new CBA addressed that. They, uh, they I don't know, the league owners, whoever, they... Did not like how some of these teams that are already have such big payrolls uh, are combining multiple of their minimum players to get uh, just enough salary to match for this super expensive player. And the Malcolm Brogdon one is probably the most relevant example when the Celtics traded for Malcolm Brogdon. They traded uh, Tice. He was, I believe, the most expensive player the Celtics sent out. And they sent out like four other guys uh, and like three or four of them were on minimum salaries. Uh, So the league has cut down on that. Now I don't know the, like the terminology is still kind of confusing to me. And I think as time goes by and we see how things work, I'll start to understand it more. Um, But it's something like you can't aggregate more than one minimum player. If you're uh, sending out, if it's not like an equal trade, like I guess you can, it has to be kind of proportional. So you can't do Cornet plus Banton, uh, you know, two minimum salaries plus I don't know Pritchard, not a minimum, uh, for one guy. I, That might I might be a little off on that again. It's still a very confusing rule, but uh, they they can't just package all their minimum guys just to trade one guy. Now they. They're uh they're they're um uh, yeah they're just cutting down on that.
3: My read was that the the intention is basically like as long as there is an equivalent number of players going in and out then and the salary matches then it can work. But you can't just like stock stockpile stack these minimum salaries to get to that goal.
1: Yeah, especially if the amount of players you're taking back are disproportionately lower than the amount you're sending out. You can read the rule; it's still a little. Uh it's still kind of foreign to me. That's really the one thing of the new CBA I'm still having trouble grasping. But yeah, they can't like it just can't be doing these like three for ones, four for ones.
2: Makes sense. Yeah. And so that definitely is limiting for Boston on the trade market. And you know, there's a lot of other teams out there with more salary pieces to throw around, particularly in the Eastern Conference, looking at some competitors like Miami or like Philly. Um, that probably could swoop in and grab a lot of the targets that Boston would be looking for. So for people uh, who are listening at home, I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit on kind of a lot of the ideal like final piece of the championship puzzle type of trades for Boston. I don't think they're going to be bringing in anyone particularly sexy. Um, they can do some things, however, maybe bolster the end of the bench as we were talking about. Um, you'll see, what are some things that Boston can do heading into the deadline?
1: So for through this season, they can still aggregate their normal salaried guys. Um, they don't have too many though. Like we've mentioned earlier, it's like Pritchard, who's not in their top six guys. And then I guess Jordan Walsh technically counts. Um, so they cannot, uh, so yeah, starting next year, they as a second, as an apron team, they're not going to be able to aggregate anything. So they could still aggregate like just on a little, like on, on a smaller scale. Uh, they could sign players on the buyout market whose uh, salaries were less than the 12.4 mid-level exception. So if a guy like Hayward or Kyle Lowry becomes available, they're not going to have a shot at them. But um, anyone making less than that 12.4 mil, uh, Boston can go ahead and scoop them up. And I think that I would say that most likely the Celtics are going to either trade for minimum guys that, you know, they could just absorb them. They don't have to send anything back out. Uh, or just find some guys on the biomark. mark. I, I think they're gonna. If I have to guess, they keep things relatively simple. Not uh, because they don't want to send assets or they don't want to spend money. It just it's just so hard for the Celtics to do anything, uh, me- like really, um, like meaningful at this point with how limited they are in movable salaries.
3: What about the possibility of signing and trading a player to another team? So would they be able to get anything more by say, giving someone a salary more than what they're making now in an extension, if they're extension eligible, for example, uh, like maybe they decide, maybe there's a player out there that would be possible say Sam Hauser, they want to extend him. Uh, I'm not even sure if he is extension. Exa- he's, not. Uh, he's not, but like, if there was a player like that, uh, would that be something they could do? And what would the rules be if that was the case?
1: I just I'm, I'm looking at the roster. I don't think that really applies to anybody. OK, so uh, that's I mean, up to him. just got his extension. Thankfully, they could still move him. And the extension is not uh, is nothing complicated that uh, it's not too high that it complicates how he can be included in trades if they want to trade him. Uh, I don't think there's any, like, trade out there where, like, an extend and trade helps them. Okay.
2: So if I'm reading this correctly, guys, uh, based on what you've discussed, it seems like outside of basically trading, like, two-ish at most minimum salary guys um, just to send out salary to fill that Grant Williams TPE there's really not a tremendous amount that Boston can actually do as far as the trade market goes. Is that right? I mean, they could, in theory, trade a Horford, trade a Pritchard, trade a Hauser, but given how well those guys have been playing and how important they are to the rotation, it seems to me at least really unlikely that any one of those three guys are going to be on the move.
1: Sorry about that. I was trying to get my calculator out to figure just do something for you guys. It's
2: all good. So, then in terms of players that Boston actually could send out, you're probably looking at, like, maybe a Luke Cornett here, maybe a Delano Banton there, but really not much more than that in all likelihood. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I'm doing the math. Even if they do that type of thing, like Pritchard plus a minimum, you're basically still getting the same type of guy you can get for that Grant Williams Street exception. But they might as well just use that exception.
2: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, no, I think if you're attaching a salary to Pritchard, um, the players that are available even to do even to do that trade are frankly probably not that much better than Peyton Pritchard already is. Um, so that one strikes me as a little unlikely. Um, that being said, you know, I think all championship level teams are trying to stay active around the deadline and kind of upgrade their roster. Um, let's start with this where would this team even need to upgrade on? You know, we're looking at them. They have the best record in the league. Um, They have a top six that by all accounts, according to, you know, other GM's competitors is the most fearsome top six in basketball. You're starting to see guys like Pritchard and Hauser, you know, really pop off the bench and provide meaningful impact. And you're even seeing, you know, I mean, Luke Cornett's coming off his best two game stretch and, God knows how long, you know, Nemius Keda is coming in and providing reasonable support minutes for this team. You're seeing the impact of like even an O'Shea Brissett popping in here and there. So what does this team even need in the deadline? What are some things that we would be looking for? I'll swing it to you first, Yossi, and then to you, JQ.
1: It's. I just think they need a little more size in case something happens to Porzingis or Borford, uh gets... Tired. um i don't think their other bigs are very viable for the playoffs so as, as long as they could just get one more bruising type guy down there i feel a little better other than that look you're gonna everything uh hinges on their top guys they all need to be healthy and available and as long as they are they're gonna play way too much that really doesn't matter what what else they do like if 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 wider Holiday is down, I don't think – I wouldn't count on Pritchard doing enough in the playoffs to, to help save them. It'll just be on yeah. the other guys. So I would just just kind of see what happens in the buyout market. I I think there's a good chance they'll get somebody. Not Usually, buyout players, they don't really amount to much. It's kind of like a 50-50 thing. But I think they'll have some opportunities. So, get a big man in a trade now. See how, see what value you can get on the buyout market. It might be surprising if you get. It.
2: So we've heard a lot about the front court and about Horford and uh, you know Porzingis and the fact that you know when they're healthy they're great. But obviously there's some risk there. Um, who are some guys that we could even go after for that big man spot? JQ, what are some names that come to mind?
3: So it depends on how you wanted to handle it. Uh, There are some buyout candidates. Uh, The Athletic Sam Vecini listed a bunch of them. A couple of them, they might get you excited. Joe Harris, Doug McDermott, sound like they'd be great additions at potential positions of need who could actually impact the game if they were bought out. Except, as Yossi noted, they make too much money. Uh, PJ Tucker, is a as a possibility he doesn't really bring any size but he, he kind of does still bring a little bit of something that could be useful for boston he's not the pg tucker of seasons past which makes sense because he's closer to my age than uh, most of the people on the team he'd be playing with and i don't even know if it would be legal Let me let me uh check in with you he didn't work out so good last time but maybe with a little bit more of a system instituted if it were even cba legal uh if mike Pescala was bought out would he still be off limits for boston he
1: would need to get traded
3: again and then bought out. And then okay, he could stop so Boston. Mm-hmm. So that's not happening. But there is this guy. Uh, you might have heard of him, Blake Griffin. If they could convince him to come back, that could be pretty interesting. Jamichael Green, Darius Baisley, Kim Birch, Nolan's Noel are some free agent names who are out there. Um, I'm also keeping an eye out on some wing depth. Uh, I think you know, if TJ Warren were actually capable uh, as a free agent of filling in some minutes, or maybe my personal preference for something like that to handle the ball a little bit and provide kind of like a more like a Lamar Stevens role in the
2: backcourt would be Amadou Diallo. Um, Anyone strike you, either of you guys. I mean, the obvious choice for me has always I know where you're going. Andre Drummond, who I have been talking about for months on this very podcast. Now, Andre Drummond recently had a pretty darn good game, uh, 20 and 20 something. Um, And so he's probably going to be a little bit pricey for Boston. Chicago will definitely be asking for some real pick value for him. But um, there is a world where, you know, Boston still has control of a lot of their future firsts. They could, in theory, throw something together that would fit into the Grant Williams TPE with Drummond's salary. It would definitely be a rental. It would just be like hey, here's Andre Drummond for your playoff run. And given that Andre Drummond uh, is, well, not a great free throw shooter, it really would be, hey, here's Andre Drummond for the last two months of the regular season, Um, burn a first-round pick for that. So I'm not sure Boston is going to be doing that, but um, if you want to talk about players who would be an ideal fit and also make less than the Grant Williams TPE, you got to start with the big man in Chicago, I think. Very Anybody? hard. To, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Yosi. Yeah.
1: It's just very hard to identify these guys right now. But two that I I would keep an eye on Biombo. Memphis, uh, they signed him to a contract that he's making five million, so it's tradable. So maybe there's like a three-way type thing where if they trade Biombo, maybe he could get routed to Boston. I think that could be nice based on how he's been playing. Another guy who I think it's unlikely but I just keep an eye on him. Precious Achiuwa just got traded to the Knicks and they they do need him right now. They do need their big man that de- desperately. But just in case just not really working with Tibbs. You know how he he likes to play the most uh like the best absolute best rebounders and the rim protector types. Uh he'll like if he ends up doing something where He still plays Hardenstein and um, Jericho Sims primarily over uh, Achua. Maybe he could be available, Uh, and he would fit in the TP. So that's just the one I'd keep an eye on based on his playing time.
2: Sounds good to me. All right, fellas, so let's quickly go around the horn and just kind of recap what we've been talking about as far as possibilities for Boston uh, as the trade deadline and the buyout market starts to open up. Yosi, we're going to go to you first. The ideal trade edition for the Boston Celtics this year, twenty twenty four, is
1: like ideal trade legal or not legal? Well, let's legal. keep it legal. Let's keep it legal. Uh, I guess Precious Acho. I think he'd be awesome for you guys like if, if if he
2: becomes available again. All right, Justin Quinn. The ideal trade asset for the Boston Celtics to be going after is.
3: Well, we discussed him um, off air earlier, and there, it seems there are some people who think that there is a chance to help become available based on you know future cap considerations in Atlanta. But if Sadiq Bey could possibly be pried loose from the Atlanta Hawks, I would be ecstatic to see him in, in green and white. But that's probably not going to happen.
2: The Hawks are certainly going to do something. I don't know that they're going to be trading with the Boston Celtics, but I would be shocked if that team doesn't do anything uh, around the deadline. Uh, You all know that my answer to this question is Andre Drummond, so we're going to keep it moving to the buyout market. Yossi, again, you will get first crack. Who are we looking at, the ideal buyout candidate for the Boston Celtics? Oh, God.
1: Uh, It's tough. i got to really parse this out.
2: Let me give you a little bit of
3: cover. It's not going to happen because someone is almost certainly going to trade for him unless... Danny Ainge asks for too much. Kelly Olynyk makes just enough money that he could slide in, but again, like my last uh, option, because we're talking ideal, not realistic, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, maybe someone on the Pistons,
2: like mm. maybe Monte Morris or Alec Burks. Mm. I like Monte Morris. I'm not sure how I feel about Alec Burks, who seems like he's not having the best season right now, uh, to put it bluntly. I am going to pivot back, turn, go into the Wayback Machine a little bit. Um, This is a guy that uh, Boston Celtics fans very much know and love and in particular that I'm sure Jason Tatum would love to have oh, I know on where you're going. this team. Um, big wing, super athletic, uh, can sort of guard people, not really, a little bit, but at the very least can jump out of the building and would be a lot of fun. Javante Green, if that man gets bought out by the Chicago Bulls, get him a one-way ticket to Logan Airport immediately. That I think he's available. Yeah, is he's available. He's not on any team right now. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, um, I, 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 be... I think he's good. I don't. I would love to
1: know what's going on there.
3: The I, knee, I be... He had knee surgery, and that that's definitely a red flag. If he's not on the Celtics and he's not on the Bulls, then there's probably something going on with that knee. But he is worth keeping an eye on.
2: Yeah, we be... tried him out. Yeah. How was that? i would be pretty pumped to have javante so that's my free agent pick which we'll get into next as far as buyout guys go it's so tough to predict the buyout market because the buyout market is really dependent a lot on like who is getting traded around um if the knicks continue to kind of shuffle the deck particularly at the big man position um and if there's any world in which like isaiah hardenstein gets bought out by the new york knicks that would be a blast i'm not sure that that would work from a salary perspective but i've always liked his game and i feel like um you know the knicks are kind of shuffling their roster around a lot these days um another one to think about is a possible holiday brother reunion uh should justin holiday get bought out that would be fun just to have brothers on the team but i don't know he's he's fine um, all right, so I've already listed my ideal free agent current acquisition. Uh, it's Javante Green. We'll swing it to you, Yossi. The ideal free agent for the Boston Celtics is...
1: <laughs>
3: if you need some and cover... I think Stanley
1: Johnson's still pretty good. All right, uh, Just like a no- nice 15th guy at the wing.
2: Perfectly acceptable. JQ?
3: I think Rodney Magruder could still give something uh, and would be comfortable with the role he would likely be getting, which is almost never playing and then suddenly playing for
2: 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Sounds about right. And so now we come to this, we'll close out here, folks. Um, The Boston Celtics, we can talk about, you know, possible trades, possible buyouts, possible free agents, till we are blue in the face over here at Celtics lab. And I'm sure there's all sorts of interesting moves that, Uh, You know, we can throw out into the trade machine and onto our 2K simulators and that Brad Stevens will inevitably not care about and then do something completely different from what everybody else is thinking. But we pride ourselves on our ability to see what's coming around the corner here at Celtics Lab. So, uh, Yossi, we'll go to you first. What do you think is actually going to happen with the Boston Celtics at the trade deadline? Let's try to get as specific as possible.
1: I think they'll just trade for uh, a big man on a minimum salary uh, or maybe like Drummond, who's
2: not minimum, but close enough. JQ, what is actually going to happen for the Boston Celtics at the deadline? I think there is a chance that
3: they use part of the TPE and then send most likely Svi Mikhailiuk out uh, since he's really not getting any burn at all. and doesn't look like he's going to get any burn at all. Uh, which, you know, is kind of a shame because he does have an interesting skill set that I think, if they weren't trying to contend for a title, might actually be developable with this this roster. Uh, what Yasi said, Yossi, excuse me, uh, is most likely what is going to end up happening, but, you know, you could see a Blake return, you could see uh, Keta get his contract turned into a regular contract if he continues to do well for the regular season. But one thing I don't think that is going to be happening is even sparklers, Never mind fireworks. It's going to be a pretty dull trade deadline for Boston.
2: I'm going to go on record and say that I know I have been speaking it into existence, but I actually do think that the Celtics might go for Andre Drummond at this deadline. I think it's one of those things where they now have a real chance to win the title this year, and I think most teams would consider them, or most people would consider them to be the current slight favorite to win the title, but even teams that are title contenders need to get better at the deadline, particularly in years where they actually have a shot at winning the title. Andre Drummond is an upgrade on this uh, front bench front court. As much as Luke Cornett has been playing well, as much as Nemias Keta has been playing well, and as much as he would certainly be a rental, that's the kind of move that you can make if you're trying to go all in to win the title this season. I really like the fit. I feel like there's a world in which Brad Stevens says, screw it, let's toss these picks out the window, as he has been doing the whole time. I just feel like the fit makes a ton of sense. So I'm speaking it into existence. Andre Drummond, Boston Celtic, come on down this time in February. All right, folks, we are going to close out. Uh, As you know, this is the first episode of 2024. Happy New Year's to you, dear listener, and to everybody else at home. Um, Fellas, do we have any NBA New Year's resolutions that we want to walk through to close out this episode? Yossi, yeah, all right, fair enough. JQ, you got first crack. Uh,
3: The Boston Celtics have figured out that they play a lot better when they play fast. So my New Year's resolution for the Boston Celtics is to play with pace as much as they possibly can.
2: Hmm. Yossi, what is your NBA New Year's resolution? Could be Celtics-based, NBA-based, or kind of whatever you feel is best. Uh, I think the Warriors need
1: to get younger and more athletic. Uh, I Steph Curry is still a superstar, and I think we're getting to the point that if, you know, it maybe not be necessarily this moment, but pretty soon the guys around them are – I don't think they're going to have it in them much longer. And if they could just turn the, those guys, you know, like like if – I'm not saying like – they I don't think they're gonna trade Clay Thompson or Draymond Green anytime soon. But they should. But I think I think they kind of should soon. Uh and just get play younger guy. They're just doing so much they're doing really well when they play these their your younger guys. Uh I could see them doing like Chris Paul, try to get just like two or three guys that they could plug in, um in whatever needs they have. And I, I think they'll do that, but like I, they they got to rip the band-Aid off pretty soon. I think it's if they really want to continue winning around stuff, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to rip the band-Aid off and trade the other guys. I'm,
3: I'm secretly thing. hoping that they're gonna trade Draymond uh, to Dallas, which is the only team I can think of that makes any sense. Uh, but it would also be the most potentially explosive team in the last ten years, at
2: least in the NBA. Uh, I just want to go on record and say that somebody on this podcast may or may not have questioned the Warriors' decision to get older and smaller in the off-season. That's a story for another time. Um, The NBA New Year's resolution that matters the most to me has nothing to do with any specific teams and has nothing to do with any specific players. It has to do with the NBA media landscape. And my New Year's resolution for the NBA media is this. Folks... If a game is listed as starts at 7 p.m. or starts at 7.30 p.m., please start the game at 7.30. I do not need 25 minutes coaching interviews. I do not need all the highlights from the previous game. I do not need more and more and more advertisements and watching all of the fireworks going off in the arena or whatever. NBA, as a collective organization, please start games when you say you are going to start games. It will be better for everybody involved. This episode of the Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or just about anywhere else that you would be looking for a podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a nice positive review to start the year off strong. Or a negative review, but if that's the case, please be gentle, at the very least. Um, Give us five
3: stars. Be negative as you want, but give us five stars.
2: Yossi, where can we find your work this year? As of
1: now, I don't have any concrete plans post HoopSype. I'm just, but I'm working on it. You could just find me on Twitter and you can check out my cap sheets on capsheets.com.
2: Fabulous. Thank you very much. JQ, as always, where can we look out for your stuff?
3: celtics wire which if you are just finding this podcast uh you are probably finding it there anyway but if not celtics wire
2: fabulous and if you like the music you heard at the beginning of this podcast that's from a band called divine sweater i play the bass for that band and you can check us out anywhere that you stream music whether it is spotify apple music Bandcamp, uh or really anywhere else soundcloud we on there too Um, Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, dear listener. Uh, And we'll see you out for 2024. Happy New Year. And uh, let's go Celtics.